Well, you know, one thing that you said you wanted to talk about in this one, a few times you've told me, school shootings. Yeah, well, we talked about it in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, but I think that you were saying that you wanted to to bring it up here in the intro because it's it's been in in the Anchorage news. It's been there. What? There was one one uh, threat on Snapchat, uh, but I read that it was from out of state. There was one threat that was written on a wall in a girl's bathroom at a middle school, and there was one uh, that was that was overheard in a conversation at a high school. So it seems like. I don't know if it's picking up increasingly or if there's just there was just kind of like a, a a bunch of them at one time. Yeah, it's been so weird out of nowhere to like in Anchorage, you're seeing a different like school having a weird threat. And I'm like sitting there wondering, is it like a bunch of teenagers that are kind of in on a prank or is it real? And if you're like an administrator, you can't dismiss it oh no you can't you can't even distinguish between those two you have to treat every single one like it's a potential threat yeah exactly but it's kind of bizarre that all of a sudden out of nowhere you're seeing these things pop up right and i and i think that what we're probably noticing is maybe this like transmission of internet speak where it can people tend to talk like very hyperbolic you know everything is like you know to the to the fringe uh when somebody says oh i'm gonna you know blow up such and such or i'm gonna do this or you know uh someone texts you like dead you know after a joke you know quote dead unquote because they have died it was so funny right that's what i mean by hyperbolic speech and so when you start saying some of that stuff in reality it it's a lot different than saying it from behind the keyboard right and even when we do have people saying incendiary, potentially terroristic things on social media, it seems almost like, I mean, the FBI is looking into it, right? But it almost seems like it's afterward, after the thing has happened, after this terrible thing has happened, then that person's social media gets scoured, you know? Then it, then they're like, oh, well, here, here back in, you know, June 2013, why didn't we notice this, you know? Talking about hyperbolic speech, when I was um, in high school, I was an antagonistic student towards my teachers, always. I don't know why, you know, because I just, ADD, whatever, like, I would just kind of mess with them and combat with them all the time. Class clown, class jerk, whatever. And you take that match with, like, just something that rolls off the cuff easy, like slang. Sometimes we say, oh, I'll kill you. You know, we say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we don't mean it, but it means, like, oh, I'll, like, win or beat you or something exactly yeah so we had this rule in in my high school in fairbanks that you had to put your back you couldn't bring your backpack to class anymore because someone could have a weapon in it it was just this rule like no backpacks but every once in a while i'd bring a backpack and i was like kind of guilty of it with the same teacher after lunch because i didn't want to go to my locker because i was always late to get back and so i'm sitting in the back and she's like Go put your backpack outside. That's what they'd make you do. Your backpack would have to go in the hallway, and then basically what would happen is the vice principal would come by and walk through the hallways, and he'd take all your backpacks, and you'd have to get it from him. And so as I'm walking out of the class, I'm carrying my backpack, and another class clown, I forget his name, but he looks at me and goes, Mr. Deutsch is going to take that. You know, this is what he tells you. That's what he tells me as I'm walking out, like trying to rub it in, like your backpack's going to get taken now, you know, Mr. Deutsch. And I look to him, I go, well, I'll kill Mr. Deutsch. And it was like obviously not. But it was serious. Uh, it was understood that that was just a, a form of hyperbolic speech. It was hyperbolic speech, but yeah. because I had been such antagonistic with this like teacher, 
and she was just had it with me. She's like, that's it. You're done. I'm calling the principal. Mm-hmm. And she called the principal and said that I had made a threat to kill the principal, mm-hmm. the other principal. So I had to go in there. They brought the trooper in. They were going to expel me for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh, dude, that was totally just rolled off my tongue. It wasn't serious. I ended up getting in-school suspension. Totally taught me something, right? And, you know, you don't think about then from the perception of the administrator or the teacher or the person who's deemed responsible for these people. Well, but, what what year about was this? Oh, this would have been 2002, right okay. around there, 2001, 2002. So it's after some school shootings, you know? Okay. I mean, I they weren't as prevalent as they are now, but I mean that it's nothing to mess around with, especially for people that are in that atmosphere every day, like Tim Davis, the yeah, the person who, we we talk to, you know, and and we do talk to him about if a situation like that were to arise, you know, and so one of the things that that I was remembering was that there's no there's no possible way to be fully prepared for something like that unless you are something like a marine or you are trained in combat to be constantly prepared not a teacher in a high school or a or middle school or you know even an elementary school like those or people are, or a student exactly but right now they now they are it's becoming a thing you know it's like where we used to do the earthquake drill right i mean i guess they probably still do i, I think it's called drills. the alice alice alert or something like that the active shooter active shooter yeah. yes well, we're learning yeah, because there's so many, and that's sad, you know, but one thing that made me happy, you know, talking to Timbo and kind of having him be a representative of teachers was that, like, I'm stoked at the people because they're doing it for their passion. You can you can hear it in what he says, how he explains his job, that he legitimately cares about these kids and their future. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to know that because for me, teachers have always been just as important as police officers and firefighters. They're an important part of society. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we get into some really cool things with uh, Timbo. Yeah, in- Timbo. Including Timbo's voice. <laughs> we'll save that one for the podcast. Yeah. Um, so every podcast, we have to give a shout out to Trina Duber and Seward Brewing Company. Whoop, whoop. Those people are coming in at the uh, the Company Man tier, which is... Part of our Patreon. Yeah, which is part of our Patreon, and they give a shout out. They get a shout out in every podcast. Yep, we've got some plans to kind of launch some new things and, and try out some new uh, new projects. And so this is a good chance for anyone that wants to put some uh, financial support behind that, you know, some through our Patreon. You know, we are almost 50 people have now at this point since we've launched in a couple months ago. Is you can go there, and there's different tiers that allow you to come in at whatever financial level you want to pledge each month. And, uh, yeah, we give different rewards based on that, kind of like Kickstarter. So with that said, why don't we kickstart this podcast (laughs) mr davis coach davis oh yeah he's coach mike is hot mike's hot mike's hot is it recording that's what that means dude crude conversations listen more than you talk go to work Rogan's had some phone calls come in, and his guests have answered the phone while he's while the guy's on the podcast. Oh, yeah, dang. yeah. <laughs> All right, well we're we're recording. Beautiful, Timbo, Yobo, <laughs> Timbo. <laughs> how many how many people still call you Timbo? You know, it's kind of cool. It's like uh, so. There's a scene in Star Wars where like uh, Luke Skywalker calls Obi Wan Kenobi Obi Wan Kenobi, 
And he's like, I've not been called that name in a long time. And then when I hear Timbo, I like instantly like snap my head. I'm like, Who are you? How do you how do you know that shady character? You know, and, and it's kind of, it's it's kind of cool though, but not many. <laughs> I remember I asked you a while back when I I came to your your class to talk, and um, I asked if one of your students or any of your students have ever called you Timbo, and you were like, I think it was like. Maybe one or two had, but you're like, sometimes I'm still st- Timbo. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm... he's still there just laying dormant. Yeah. No, that's a great way of putting it. It's like, uh, he's in, he's, he's in a backpack. He's, he can be taken out when he needs to be taken out. But no, it makes me sound like I have a split personality, which I don't, but it's kind of like this weird deal. <laughs> Who are because... we? T- I just met you. Who are we talking to now? <laughs> Timbo? I'm the we next... talk to Timbo. <laughs> I'm the next M. Night Shyamalan teacher. Why are you twitching, man? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. No, but it's cool because, like, well, when you came in, then my kids started calling me Timbo for like a week. So, oh, and I'm like, did. hell no, you're not doing that. No, no, no. It's it's Mr. Timbo to you. <laughs> oh man. So how do you how do you toe that line being the type of person you are, the type of person that I've known you'd always be yeah. and being like teacher Tim, Mr. Davis. Oh man, it's crazy. It's I think the the hardest thing to do is well I think the, the most important thing to do when you're like teacher Tim you got to make sure kids know, like, that you, like, care for them. Um, and so if you, like, actually care about their development as a human being, like, at a certain point, you got to be you got to be Mr. Davis. Otherwise, they're just not going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. And so – but at the same time, who wants to sit in a history class where you have Ben Stein up there, you know, reading off boring facts? And so I think that's really important to – to connect with the kids and so sometimes you gotta let you gotta let timbo <laughs> out of the bag and i don't know show them a snowboard movie or something just get their interest up do you show them snowboard videos well for my media class absolutely yeah in fact that's yeah absolutely which what ones well the union movie from whatever last year stronger i, I was it's a great movie oh my gosh and it was it was cool because you know like scott stevens you know and like there, there's just there's a lot of really good stuff in there that like I'm watching and I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And the kids, I don't think there's really not that many kids at snowboard. It's not like it was, um, but they uh, they acknowledge it as a really cool skill. It's more, I think, more people acknowledge it um, as something that's cool. Why do you think less kids snowboard now? Oh man, well, I think money's a big deal. I mean, it's so expensive to go ride, um, and I think. It almost feels like the stars have to align to actually snowboard in the ways that maybe we grew up snowboarding. Um, but I, with that said, you know, I, I think it'd be awesome to get kids out in the backcountry. That's even expensive, too. I mean, there's just I mean, it's the sport is expensive. And so I think that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. What about uh, screen addiction? So, like yeah. the kids and the yeah. screen addiction? Ah, man. So... I just listened to this. I listened. I think it was uh, uh, Elon Musk who just talked to Rogan on his podcast, and he was talking about cybernetic organisms and how we're basically all going to be cyborgs, and you know, and it was like mind blowing stuff. And I was like, dude, gonna be cyborgs? Like, if you ask me when, like, the Spanish American War ended, 
I could tell you right now as soon as I pick up my phone. And I think it was like eighteen ninety eight. But like, <laughs> but but no, I could like literally like pick Throwing up my that phone. Teacher knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Teddy Roosevelt. It was. I think it was only one year, so I couldn't be wrong. <laughs> but anyway, so but no, seriously, like you you can find out information faster. I can retor- retain memories of images and video and 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 then all of a sudden it's not about talking to that kid next to you i can snapchat that kid in that classroom down the hallway in that school across town or or somewhere else in the world so do you think that it's more of a a relationship with their phone rather than an actual person like the the phone is the proxy for the actual relationship yeah you know what I'll, i'll draw that cyborg thing out a little bit more i think it's like a cyber Netic relationship it's like it's somewhat digital it's somewhat your addiction to if you want to call it addiction i guess it is you know and i'd be honest i checked i got the update and saw my screen time and it was like whoa i don't, I don't even want to tell you guys my screen time but let's just put it this way i've got a uh, a lock now on my social media apps yeah yeah because it was pretty scary i'm not gonna tell you <laughs> go on just tell me no I don't think so, man. It was bad. I mean, that was only one. Like a day. rough estimate. I'm just gonna say over five hours. Well, okay. Yeah, I know. I think yeah. I'd probably be about the same. Yeah, and I think All if right. you count messaging in, I think that that that's all another thing. You count messaging in. I didn't even think of messaging as a social media app until iOS told me it was. And then I was like, oh man, I'm on this thing a lot. And again, it's just like, yeah, I think it's that combination of yeah, I am relating to a a real person out there. But like if I text my wife and I text maybe the the wrong way I put something in a sentence, I can instantly erase it and then write what I would deem as the most perfect sentence to send her, mm-hmm. which is a different way than relating with her normally. Do you think about that a lot when you're approaching your wife? Like, how, how's I, prob- the, I need to get something. What, what's the best way to word this? Yeah. <laughs> I need to do that. I need yeah. to say that in real life, but I don't. <laughs> so you're... In a lot of ways, you're on the front lines of how technology is affecting youth. I mean, how how is it the same or different than, say, when we were in school? Oh, man, it's so different. So I wrote my I wrote my uh, master's degree thesis on on MySpace. <laughs> so that kind of dates me a little bit. Did you really? Yeah, I did. I wrote on MySpace and how it affected school. And at that point, it's... I guess that was the beginning of the end. Um, but then I was like the beginning of it. And, you know, I think that the big thing is I'm always going to be dealing with every human relationship I have at any moment of the time. I didn't have to do that. When I was a kid and I went to like French class, I just worried about French class or at least the people in that French class. And now I have to worry about, uh, you know, kids have to worry about like girlfriends and boyfriends and and friends talking you know crap behind their backs or whatever it is you know all the social things that we had happened to us but face to face mm-hmm. um it's now always it's and it's it's sitting there either in their pocket or on their desk going zzz, zzz, zzz. now you have eye watches and stuff they're looking at their wrist i mean i do oh, it too i'm not, i am not i am not innocent in this but i just can't imagine being 16 and having the ability to see everything. Well, the idea, you know, you have this big new, like, cyberbullying. And, you know, if you're a female, it's like when you're a teenager and you're in high school, you're putting out these pictures of yourself. 
and then you're just waiting for people to judge them basically how many likes are you going to get what are they going to comment and it's got to be fucking with their psychology yeah. mm-hmm. it's it's pretty i think it's math i i think humanity i mean i go on instagram and i post like a photo uh, of like my daughter or of just something i did i i, I did a thing and then I just sit back and <laughs> watch. It is. I watch the hearts come, and I'm like, "Oh, I got hearts!" And then it's like this feed of goodness. People tell me all that dopamine. How, oh man! Oh, dude, your birthday on Facebook, you get like all these people coming out of the woodwork, right. sending yeah, yeah. messages. Dude, it's ep- it's it's epic. So if you want if you want positive affirmation without res- accountability in your relationship, social media is awesome. complacent. How about yeah. how about those people that like? put like all the depressing parts of their life or they're like they're like looking for like they're just bitching about their life well on... they're looking they're looking for someone to ask them what's wrong yeah it's so weird attention attention i mean we like attention as humans i don't know I, you know it's it's interesting so like that was the myspace thing that i found actually talking about myspace was i in my findings i just found like what if whatever your personality kind of drifted to, you were like a hyper version of that online. So if you were depressed and, and you wanted attention that way, you're probably already doing it, but now you can perfect it. Just like me telling my wife, how are you doing? You know, I, um, you can perfect and, and, and craft it just the way you want. So what's out there is like this hyper version of yourself in your own mind. It's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, it's gotta be really, it, I can't imagine being a teenager, and the challenges they go through, I, I remember that all the time. Like, I have to tell myself that all the time that I have no idea what, what that experience is like for them. You know, everybody has a different high school experience. And you being a teacher now, how do you perceive other students' experiences compared to your own? <laughs> my my own was really weird, man. I was, I was a band kid. I was a ROTC kid. I was a football player. I snowboarded. I made movies. What was the second thing you said? I was Roxy? I was in ROTC. Was... I was second in I was oh, the ROTC? Navy. Yeah, Navy ROTC. I was second in command of service high school. Good. Chill out, like, man. Yeah. You can't do Hoorah. 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 <laughs> so, no, I mean, no. I, I seriously, I did. I had I had a weird uh, experience. So I, I would tell you this. I think that I had so many just interesting, like, weird things that's not necessarily pigeonholed that as a teacher – I really, really admire the kids that that really try just everything they can in high school, except for hard drugs. Except for hard drugs, I avoided that. I avoided that fairly well. <laughs> no, but so, really, I mean, yeah. Speaking of drugs, are they uh, are they prevalent in high school these days? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, um, it's 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 pick your pick your poison across town. There's different things in different parts of the city. Uh, pills and, and and you know kids are always going to smoke weed I, I think it's i think it's a little different because it's it is more uh it's more commonplace now just you know but i think kids um what do you mean it's more commonplace drugs like, are more commonplace uh, no I mean, maybe more open it's there's there's more openness about it and, and social acceptability i think what messes some of the kids up is that like uh people that, you know if i'm gonna go smoke I, i'm not gonna smoke necessarily uh, or let me put it this way. If I'm going to drink, I'm not going to drink right before I show up to work. Where I know a lot of my kids, 
you know, they, they have the example of, hey, just, you know, smoke right before you go to work and chill out a little bit from, from either their parents or someone important in their life or just another buddy. And so um, I think it's really important that kids see like, hey, there's, there's a time and a place and you being a 16-year-old kid trying to get an education and get your hard wiring right the best you can, <laughs> you know, that's probably not the best thing for you. You know, what do you do when you notice that a, a student is, is struggling or is, is rebelling in maybe not a, a healthy way. Yeah. Um, I mean, cause you're, you're a football coach as well. And I think yeah. that, that being a coach also entails, um, a little bit of a counselor as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that happens a lot. Um, boy, how do I do that? Every kid's different, man. And I think the, it starts with connection with the kid. If you just go, if you just come at them with like a like a pretty hot take of like you're bad and you're rebelling or whatever, you know, they're not gonna listen to you. I mean, I wouldn't have listened to you if you came at me that way. So I think it's so important that we as educators or anybody, you just got it. It all comes down to relationship capacity. Like, what can you honestly say? Because I can I can give you the anti drug talk, but are you gonna listen to me? And, and maybe if you respect me, because I've shown that I respect you and I care for you as a human being and you're not just a GPA in my class or you're not just a football player on my team, but I truly honestly care for you as a human being. Um, then, then I can be real with that person um, and, and, and hopefully guide them to, to make really great decisions. And, and now this is way beyond the drug talk. Now this is just like life because life is, life is way harder for the majority of my students than I ever had it. That's for sure. Why do you think that is? Uh, different population than where I grew up. I grew up in a fairly, uh, you know, I grew up in the south side of Anchorage. And uh, a lot of my friends had um, financial support. Again, I grew up snowboarding. You know, I had to find a way to have the disposable income to make it to Alaska. You were middle, upper middle class. Yeah. And so having that. South side, I mean. Yeah. yeah having having that upbringing of that upper middle class or middle class, whatever you want to call it. And, and again, I can't, I can't imagine, you know, that that's. That was fifty dollars back then. That was fifty dollars every time you want to go snowboarding. Mm-hmm. Fifty dollars is a lot. You know yeah. that's a lot. And so, yeah, just to consider that, um, I, th- that helps with a certain degree of it, with a certain just uh, a needs aspect. Because a lot of our kids have needs. You know, it's like food. I, I mean, I don't know where a lot of our kids sleep at night. I mean, I'll be real. I mean, I'll, that that sounds like a hard luck sob story from inner city school. That's just the truth of it. Like when a kid comes into class and they're mad, like you've, and, and they're rebelling or, or whatever you want to call it. You, dude, you've got to like step back and say, where'd that kid sleep last night? Mm-hmm. What was the last meal? Like truly that that kid ate. And, and I never had those problems. Mm-hmm. I never had that problem. So that's like the first step for me is like empathizing with that situation. So how do you deal with that situation? If, if you have say a student that comes in that didn't sleep the night before because he doesn't or she doesn't have a home mm-hmm. and maybe they're sleeping, they have their head on the desk in the back. Do you just, just go ahead. <laughs> you want the real answer? The real answer <laughs> did I have coffee that morning? I mean, I, I don't want to be, I mean, that's real. Like I'm a human being too. And there are some days where a kid comes in and sleeps in my class and I'm like, that's not what we're doing here. And I, I don't think I talk like that normally. But 
Um, yeah, that's you can. Timbo. Yeah, that's the Timbo. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mr. Timbo. Wake up today. Wake up. You didn't have your coffee. Where did you sleep last night? Oh no. Oh, it's so bad. No, but for reals, like I, I have to check. It is a constant self-reflection exercise when you deal with a kid who does not want to be in school. I mean, that's just. I mean, you have to check. You have to look at yourself first because if you look at the kid first, you, it's real easy for them to become a student ID number and a seat filler. And you never want that. That's the, that's the lowest place you can go. There, there is a standard of like, Hey, we're, we're going to dive into early Mesoamerica today. And we're going to, we're going to learn about the Toltecs. All right. They're coming in They're They're going to conquer. This is cool, man. And some kid doesn't think it's cool. And like, I'm super, I'm super stoked about the Toltecs. They're coming in to get you. <laughs> you hear me, Zapotecs? You're not around anymore. Timbo had Here way comes too the much Toltecs. coffee, dude. He's yelling about Toltecs again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so yeah and so what kid wants to you know i get it i understand it but I, and so i you know i have a high standard of what they're gonna learn and what i want them to get out of it and that's in my history classes my my media classes are are a lot of fun and games and so that's a little so different but the history classes which can be a little bit more brain meat um they they do take a certain level of like reflection of like all right if this kid hates Timbo, then he's <laughs> then I've got to back off and I've got to really work my relationship and, and really make sure I'm connected with that kid. And how many people do you have in a class on average? 30 to 35. And how many classes do you teach? I teach four right now, um, and I'll be teaching a fifth in the, in the spring. So you're looking at around like 140, 150 students per semester that you have to kind of guide? I guess, yeah. I, you know, I think the big thing too is football is, is a big part of my life, which is the weirdest thing, a weirdest track of like you go from like working in snowboard shops to football. But that's another hundred kids, um, and so and that that I spend a lot of time with from January on, like with weight room and all the off season responsibilities, and you build into the season, and it's super emotional, and they're in the newspaper. My my classroom kids, I love them. Um, they're not getting judged in the newspaper and on KTU each night. Mm-hmm. You know, and my football kids, their their picture is going to be like, you know, Johnny caught the ball or Johnny dropped the ball. And so, like, you, you got to be – that's a whole nother um, – That's a good lesson for kids, though. I mean, because inevitably that's, like, stuff you face in adult, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. it, especially if you're going to go into, like, a more public role. <laughs> Dude. So that's a head start on dealing with that kind of shit. Well, I – Public and I, judgment. I think the football thing is is – there's no other class that I've ever taught that gives you such social emotional challenge. I mean, you you're you're that's tough, man. When two thousand of your friends or people that are supporting, I did air quotes, supporting you in the stands, like if you drop the ball, they're suddenly maybe not supporting you as much. I mean, that's a big deal. And so, I mean, hopefully they yeah. are. And at West, we have great fans. Like the people that love West love West, and it's awesome. But just as a overall, it's more of like the universal we of football, like. This is a great opportunity for kids to learn some serious, tough challenges. You're held to a super high standard. It's the scoreboard, you know? And so... So you're a teammate as well, because that's what it, it's kind of sounding like. Like, you, you're you there for guidance, and you're there for coaching, but in a lot of those situations, you're like, hey, we're in this together, well, and we're going to work through it together. That's how a team works. Yeah, coaches are... Yeah. You well, you've never have you ever? Oh, you did hockey. That's right. Yeah, I played hockey okay, for a cool. little bit. Yeah, I don't know why I always think of you as like this anti-sports. Like <laughs> no, skater, I love sports. Snowboarder. Yeah, oh, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, okay. Cool. Sorry. <laughs> <You're gonna laughs> like, so is the coach the teammate or? <laughs> no, but, um, you know, I actually, uh, I did one year of high school football. Awesome. And mainly because I wanted an excuse to quit my lame ass summer job, which yeah. was like housekeeping at this hotel. So I joined the football team. But How'd like, you do? Oh, man. I, I played like three quarters the whole season. I mean, I started my senior <laughs> You're year. You're a bench warmer? Pretty much, dude. See that? I, I know sucked. terms. That's good. Know. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I was, ben- I was solid. Pretty much a bench warmer, but it was it was it was a good thing to be a part of. You know, I mean, you can't come into like a uh, what you, do you call it Division One or how's it, Division One A or what? How does it work? For, West Valley, I played, so it was like so. A, West Valley I mean, at the time was large school. They just went down to Division Two now. So, oh yeah. really? Yeah, I just this last year. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, we we're a large school, so you come to that and you've got all these players that have been doing it for seven years, and so. But, um, you know, it, it's football and high school football in Alaska is probably a little different than the lower 48, right? Like, I remember playing games in snow. Oh, yeah. I mean, what, what do you, how would you say it's different up here than, say, in, like, Texas or... Um, the, the, culture, the culture around it? Yeah, everything, you know? The, I mean... Yeah, no, I, I, you know, the, the community um, doesn't view it quite the same and there's not there's not quite there are pockets of like a community that really really like go crazy about their football team but like um I, you know i do have buddies in texas that um the, the town shuts down um and you know and and if and i love the building that i'm in like i love west high school it is it is super cool great administration and the people there the community there is awesome um uh but it doesn't shut down town doesn't shut down like if spinard shut down and every every store baratou shut down they're like we'll see you over at at the nest you know like okay that that's what it'd be like elsewhere maybe here it's not so much with that said um the kids are working pretty hard here the coaches are working pretty hard here and um and they're they're helping develop people they're helping to influence kids and that that same influence is happening across the u.s and so you teach at at west yeah okay so i think we we came down to Anchorage and we played West. I'm pretty sure when I played, and okay, so here's what I remember, and I just I don't want this to sound like wrong, <laughs> but there was like a lot of like um like Samoans and kind of um what's the uh what's the other Tongans Tongans exactly right so but it's like I'm like this like five eight kid and I come down and you know we don't have in in Fairbanks a lot of that. You know, you're still five eight. Pu- I'm still five eight. Well, actually, no, 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 no. I'm five nine now, ladies. On the roster, he's listed at five ten. Anyway, so he's good. I mean, you're 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 dealing with some big, solid dudes, right? Yeah. You deal with these kids and these families every day. I mean, if you could give a message out about who these guys are, what they represent. I mean, obviously, family. But what else do you see? What else do you know about their culture? Why are why are they here? Why do they all move here? You know, what do you yeah. see? Yeah. Well, just I mean loyalty to to family first is super important and a lot of uh a lot of our polynesian families are here uh, they have they have uh family members that work uh over at the airport or fedex that's that's a pretty common place and you know i i'll tell you what we uh, west bartlett and east are like the three most diverse high schools in america mm. and, and and i is just that true yeah it's like yeah. it's it's something like that um and i don't know which order which is in um but i know that in my i could look in one class and every single person and name the class is different, completely different and different ethnicity, different way of looking at the world. You, you get to know all sorts of people at West. And that is something that, 
you're asking me about change and does that mm-hmm. that's been such a great transformative process for me getting to know people that aren't just like me and Dude, don't just worry totally. about it. I've, yeah. I've always liked that because to me, that's what America stands for. Yeah. I mean, that that is right there. Everybody in a classroom, if you were to look at that as a microcosm of what America should be. Yep. We're about like these greater ideals of humanity in general and that no matter where you come from or who you are, you can aspire to this great thing, you know? And I guess that's one of Anchorage's strength, I'd say, is our diversity. Mm-hmm. It's dude. So at the, I'll let you in the inner workings of West football. So like <laughs> before every game, we always have a quiet time. I always tell guys like, we're about to go do something unified. We're about to go do one thing, and that's win a game. Um, everybody's got a little different rule, um, and and we are anywhere from you know thirty to forty different personalities, different individuals. So we do a quiet time for a minute, two minutes, and then I bring them back together. I, at almost every game, I just tell them, "Hey, this is my favorite part." of my really of my year is these 11 times if you get 11 games 11 times where i get to a group of guys from different parts of the world that grew up speaking different languages that have different religious values that different different core beliefs maybe different um ethnicities whatever it is they come together for one thing and this year i kind of tagged onto it it's funny you said this because i tagged onto it i said this is what america needs more than ever is a bunch of people just coming together, even if it's just a game, even if it's just a football game for two hours, you get unity, and that's man, that's a pretty well, special. Thing. We can't even do that anymore because now, because they started pro, you know, the protest and the national anthem. Now, like football, like tears us apart. You know, there's nothing out there that can unite us as Americans anymore. What was that's, it last year? You had you had some players take a knee at a game, right? Uh, two years ago. Two years yeah. ago, and um, I mean, what was the outcome of that situation? Because I remember actually, I think it was that night or the next night, I was like texting you. Yeah. And I was asking you about it. And in the course of our conversation, we had started talking about, you know, you're like, I don't, I'm not going to punish him because that's not really like a punishable thing other than the fact that they, I think you said that he didn't tell you and then they just <laughs> did it. Yeah. And you yeah. were like, what I want is for them to write an essay because Colin Kaepernick is doing it for a reason, a very yeah. important reason. And I want them to understand that reason. Yep. Did, did that essay, did you follow through with that essay? I, I, I had one kid actually take me up on it and actually do it. Um, the, the rest were, uh, I think it, they weren't prepared to make the statement that they made they, and, and their kids. And so what I ended up telling a lot of people, so like we got hounded, like we got, we got like, KTVA and I mean all the stations. Because oh, they're just gonna they if they can tackle an issue that's gonna divide us. They're gonna go on it like fucking coyotes. It was hyenas. it was what's well, clickbait dude. at that point. It, well, that's yeah, what so that's what I didn't want is that our kids to become clickbait. And I didn't know where. And we're talking 24 hours after this. I don't know where their minds are at. So I I was very very hesitant to make any statement one way or the other. I love it when young people stand up for something as long as they know what they're standing up for. And yeah. that was really important to me. I did not want to put those kids at harm. So I, I kind of, we kind of went bunker mentality on that for, for that, the rest of that year. And just kind of was like, if anybody asked us about it, we kind of just ignored it. It, it ended up being fine and it kind of went away and the kid's essay was pretty good and he had some good ideas, but um, at the end of the day, they're kids and they're finding their own way in this world too. And so how can we help them and how can we like guide them? Um, and those are, those were, those were incredibly challenging things for me as a coach to like 
really get my head around when it was happening right behind me. Like, oh, they're doing what? Uh, okay. Here we go. Here we. I think I actually even said that. I was like, here we go. <laughs> there, there we go. And, and sure enough, there Overtime. was. Yeah. Um, no, you know, that's the thing about one thing I hate about the whole controversy with like the kneeling is that Americans think that the only patriot and the only person who defends our freedoms are soldiers. When our freedoms are protected by number journalists, for sure. I mean, who can tell you when the soldiers are fucking up? Mm-hmm. It's no. the journalists, right? Or how about the people who do friendly protests or the people that call their senators, right? There's, you know, there's a reason we have a First Amendment, and it's to protect the ideals that our country's built on. But I think people forget about it, and they get caught up with like, nope, it's just the soldier. American, Americans' way of life is only defended on a battlefield. Well, I think that that was a, um, that's a diversion. The the fact that we're talking about soldiers now, in the, in the context of Colin Kaepernick kneeling, because, yeah, because it's not it's not about soldiers. It had nothing to do with soldiers, but since it got reframed that way, that's what people are interpreting it as. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I agree about that, I, and I think that um, for me, like I. I'd, you know, I, I love America and I, and here's, here's why I love America. And this is, this is, you know, I'm guess I'm neither here nor there on the, the taking you need. It's not, that's immaterial to me. What, what's immaterial to me is what America to me represents and working at a place like West. It's so obvious that America represents this experiment. Okay. Well, I was talking about the Zapotecs and the Toltecs. These are two people that are the Mesoamerican, the, the Mesoamerican dude, they're people have instinctive, Traditionally, not lived with around other people who are different than them in peace for hundreds of years. We are not perfect. America is far from perfect. But I'll That's tell you what, when you come true. to. Can you, you explain the, the, the Mesoamerican well, aspect that you're talking about? I'm just thinking, like, from the standpoint of, like, it's, it's we have. Aztecs, right? we, we have warring cultures within, our, within America. Okay. Mm-hmm. But one thing I'm sure of is is the I can go to my school building and learn right now. And, and look, I know school safety is another thing that you know Pandora's box to open up. But I can go to school and I can be around 30 different people in one classroom who come from totally different places. And it would be like sitting people down from possibly warring tribes, you know, a thousand years ago. No, really, yeah. And, and here's a group of people who are there for one reason, and that's ideally to learn. Mm-hmm. And so, and sometimes they don't sleep at night. So you got to, you got, Timbo's got to remind them, you know, <laughs> what they're there for. But I don't, why We're is that Timbo's voice? Where did that come <laughs> from? I don't know. That's how it manifested. Yeah. But no, seriously, I mean, we have all these different people and America's this great experiment. We're different people. Um, that's beautiful. And that... That is, we're, we're pushing the envelope of what so many different people can do together. I love it. I love the experiment. And that's why I love America is just to see it. And that's why I love Alaska because of Anchorage specifically. I mean, look at the state of Alaska. You have the Athabascan people. You have 11 different language groups and just that one large group. And you have the Yupik and the Nupiak. You know, mm-hmm. you have all these people just in Alaska. It's a, such a diverse place. Yeah, and- it never has been homogenous. You know, I went to... Europe did the whole uh, after college Europe trip, and one of the the things, and I kept a journal the entire time. Every single day, I wrote in this journal. And one of the things that stood out to me, the the thing, the main thing that stood out to me was 
when you go to a country in Europe, and I always use like the uh, example of Greece, when you go to Greece, what type of people do you think you encounter? A bunch of Greeks. <laughs> that, right. Just a right. bunch. Of, like, if you go to if you go to Italy, yeah, what do you encounter? A bunch of Italians. Right. Yeah. And and so. Oh, it's way less mixed. And in fact, some of those countries are just now starting to deal with mixtures, and they're having some um, some issues. Man, look at France with like um, you know, the Muslim Arab population that yeah. has come in. Uh, Germany and all their refugees. Scandinavia. So they're they're going. But that's one. That's one um, race against another race. I remember going to. And so that's just two, maybe sometimes three. Well, I yeah. remember I went to um, Ireland. And we were on a bus, like a tourist bus, and um, this guy started talking about gypsies, and I thought I thought it was a joke. I was like, "Yeah, right, gypsies." Because I mean, what do I know, right? Like I'm they American. Have great I, music. Yeah. Um, and and then uh, it turns out they they are uh, prejudiced. The the gotcha. Irish they have this thing. Not not all of them, but you know they the Irish hate gypsies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but there's you know yeah. there there's some of them that really hate gypsies. Yeah, which I'm like, whoa, I didn't even know about that. Because you're sharing land that has been primarily and a space has been primarily your own for so long, and now you have people that have come in that live slightly different. And a lot of times when these new uh, cultures come in, they they're not like. It's not easy for them to assimilate into culture, so they have to like go to crime sometimes. Like that'll happen for first generation of like uh, cultures that have emigrated somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it takes a while to like build yourself into society. I mean, look at America, like the Irish, right? Mm -hmm. When they came, there were like Irish mobs and stuff, and so it it, it takes some time and. Yeah, you're just seeing something different, I guess, and well, that upsets people. Well, I think you were saying you go to Greece, you see Greek people. What do you see when you see when you go to Anchorage, Alaska? Everyone, everyone, and then when you come into my classroom, you really see that. I mean, that's cool, I, and I, I think, yeah, I don't. The, the opening line to Godfather is like, "I believe in America." <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I do too. And and uh, different circumstances, I was not visiting Vito Corleone, at that <laughs> but but no, I'm like, that's a on great, this the day of my daughter's wedding. Yeah, what a great way to open a movie. That's I. American. Yeah. Yeah. So how do the interaction between your students of, of different, different races, different backgrounds, uh, maybe even just different upbringings. I mean, are they, are they more accepting than maybe our generation was the generation before us and before that? Hmm. Are they more accepting? What do you mean? What do you mean by accepting? That they're more inclined to overlook differences and focus more on the similarities. It. I would say that they're more inclined to leverage their differences for positivity. For and I don't want to be like nebulous on the positivity. I want to be like they see strengths, whether it's. Um, Man, some some of my Polish football players can sing. It's awesome. It's like American Idol broke out the, the good singers broke out in my <laughs> locker room. Like they they're they have such they have so many talents. That's a that's a strength. And mm -hmm. why? Because a lot of them go to church and they sing for church. 
And so they've been trained to play musical instruments and it's in their upbringing. Um, some of my kids, uh, you know, they want to be rappers. And so they, they, they write and they're constantly writing. Um, and they're constantly, uh, using their minds to create something that wasn't there and that's it and that's not ethnically musical skill is not ethically exclusive by you know that's crazy but these yeah, kids bring in um uh traditions that their families have whatever it is and it's it's pretty special when you get a group of people that see other people's strengths so yeah i would say they see other people i'd say that we see diversity for the most part in our in our in our building and Bartlett and East, I'd say they all kind of are along the lines of this. Mm-hmm. We see it as a, a great strength for sure. You know, we've talked a lot about you as a coach for West. Um, can we talk a little bit about you as a media teacher? Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. So can you walk us through a typical day? There isn't one, but uh, <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. So and, there's. And you know what? Maybe, maybe explain. Um, where you work explain the room I, I remember talking to somebody actually earlier today and i was explaining um that you guys have a studio you know yeah. like a like a real like an actual news studio and then you guys have an editing bay and then you have you know it's like it's all part of this classroom yeah it's amazing i i don't know what i did to luck out and get this type of uh environment teaching but um, it's you walk in and you see the the editing area the, the the it's the classroom really and there's computers around it where kids can edit and then there is a audio editing um, and sometimes we use that when we do the live show we'll use that as a control room and then we have a studio itself um, where we shoot the the show in or kids uh, what show are you shooting uh, so we have a uh, it's monthly right now maybe every other week uh, video journal of west it's called orange juice uh check it out on youtube orange juice west high school uh <laughs> it's called orange juice orange juice yeah Why? the kid, kids came up with it they were well we were like talking one day i said guys we, you know we're, we're gonna re-interject so because we used to have a thing called west update and we took it from weekend update because i watched late night television <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and so i just got hey we're gonna call it west update we know and, why mr timbo's not sleeping yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so so the kids were kind of cool with that but but then i was we changed it the west update used to be a daily show a daily live broadcast that is hard you can imagine running a live broadcast with like a director and a roll camera one and blah blah, blah. you know it's it's intense with a bunch of teenagers so we moved it back and we started doing everything in post and making like a two minute news packages um, and running those on, on West. So basically we're the, or the dateline of when no, we're dateline, but cool uh, of West high school. Be the vice of West. High yeah. School? Well, that's what we want to be, but don't tell anybody that we're not trying to totally <laughs> bite off that style, but <laughs> that's, that's sort it's of a pretty it. good style. Yeah. It is cool. It is yeah. cool. And our kids love vice and stuff. If you watch orange juice, you're not going to see a lot of vice influence right now, <laughs> but, but yeah, I can't it's wait cool. to watch orange juice. It's some of the, I'll, I'll, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've been there, um, I've been to your class a few times and I've seen the way that you, you talk to your students and you do talk a lot about journalism and you talk about how stories are conveyed nowadays and, and the proper way or, or at least the most unbiased way to be able to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that in the best situations, especially considering high school students, it, it does happen. Um, 
is it important for for teenagers to understand media literacy more than ever more than ever in fact i think as much as i want them to produce media those dudes produce more media on snapchat in one day than i ever will you know i mean really so Mm -hmm. we're producers of media whether we want to be or not it's really about the consumption of media and having the right mindset it suddenly changes so i'll use kind of an innocent example uh a teacher was talking i can't exactly remember the exact funny line they said but they said something that was funny you know they said they said something about you know that was kind of inappropriate but only the kids they said it was lit or something i don't know it's something it wasn't even inappropriate but like they said something in kid vernacular that uh the kids thought were hilarious and they're all laughing and i'm like well why are we laughing at that guys and they're like well look what that look what how he that teacher spoke that way look at how that made him look to us and then it's like all right cool so think about how you are making everybody look on camera when you go interview them look at your camera angles listen to what they say what's that funny picture in the background what does that make that person look like and suddenly they're learning like whoa just by where I put my iPhone, when I interview the school security guard and where I where I place my iPhone, I might convey an image about that guy. And so then as consumers, they flip it around and they go, whoa, yeah, look totally. at look at that interview. That like, that's interesting. Like did yeah. the media or journalists frame this in a way where they want me to perceive it in a certain way? It's impossible not to. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. but but, but it's yeah, really good to be able to see it from the from the person who's creating it to be able to see it from the person who's like consuming it. You know, because I look at like my parents and grandparents and like, you know, they're fucked. I mean, they're goners, dude. Right? They, when they don't know how to like decipher between what's what's real media, what's not. Right? The stuff that's divisive and tells them what they want to hear, they love, and it's real. What tells them, you know, and stuff that says something they don't want to hear is fake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're living in this era where, like, with with the internet and social media, people can package media and news in a way that makes it look real when it's not. Right? Like MadWorldNews.com. Yeah, yeah, and stuff. So. With your kids, it's like the media literacy, right? How I mean, it's so important. I mean, are they, are they going to be fucked, or are they going to figure it out? Well, I think that this is how we this is how we fix today's problem is by educating the youth. Yeah, I I think kids have to know how how media is made. I mean, kids have to know how it's made in order to consume it properly, uh, or consume it in a way that they can do so with a reasonable and clear opinion and facts was actually happening um god it was i think it might have been vice the other day that ran a deal and they had like the face swapping technology where like a guy came on and he it looks just like president obama if oh you don't. yeah they did that yeah. and it's like whoa and so the kids i show that to the kids and that's an extreme example like fake obama is a pretty extreme example yeah yeah but it's pretty amazing what we can do with media these days and it can be pretty confusing so um Man, I just remember, I remember as a kid, like, I remember reading those, like, those tabloids, like, at the news, and it was like, Bat Alien. Boy. Bat Boy, yeah. And I, my mom and dad could not convince me that wasn't real. <laughs> I was convinced. I was. Timbo still believes uh, in Bat Boy. I still believe in Bat Boy. Breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> Bat Boy lives. I am, I am Bat Boy. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I believe in that stuff. And so my my thing is, is that we we can take something from like 
when we're consuming media, how many things do just people believe? Uh, and I know Facebook's hot topic right now, but like how many things do we just believe because it comes across our feed? And if even if we don't believe it, I'm still talking about Bat Boy 30 years later. Yeah. And what Bat Boy are our kids going to be talking about? No, I about? know. But I, okay, so there's a stuff that's obviously fake, right? And it's like, okay, this is like, I looked at the website URL and it's like .us.co, you know, like there's ways to kind of decipher a little bit in some of these things. Um, Bat Boy, okay, that's probably fake, right? <laughs> but in something- So says you. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, no. One thing, and you know, Cody's asked this a couple times in previous podcasts, is like, people lie, you know, and it seems to be pretty pervasive and it's coming a lot from like um, our president. You know, uh, and so how do we tell the youth like, hey, some of this stuff isn't true? How about you know? how about people spin the truth, mm -hmm. like things that are true suddenly take on a different meaning because I can't really interpret those events. So I guess that's kind of the fun place for my world history class and my media class explode into the same thing. Like you, you have to have context to be able to consume this media. You also have to know. Yeah. So you have to you have to bring in the context that you learn in in education wherever that you know. Ideally, it's an education that's that's balanced and and comes from a many sources. I think is an important thing. Um, but you're you're totally right. There's super what I would consider fake things. But I'll tell you what, it's confusing now. It's confusing about sometimes what for for kids. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's confusing not, for us sometimes. Yeah. And someone can say something and it just seems like oh, that's a true statistic. Right. And I don't want to. It's like then, like later, it's like, like oh, the fact checkers came out and it's not. But you then know? people nowadays don't even believe the fact checkers, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're yeah, it's getting crazy, man. Like, so that's where education. I think that's where education. And here's this is the cool part about again. I can't. I'm kind of beating you know, in here, but like, diversity and interaction with human beings is so important. It's how we combat that. I mean, that's one of the first ways we do it is we combat that by making sure that human beings have a name and a face and we are treating them <laughs> like human beings and not just the them because social media and, and the news media in general is really good at creating the them. And so like, I guess I'm like an optimistic champion of like, Hey, we can, we can learn how this media is produced and we can learn what these events mean in the context of our lives. Mm -hmm. So you being a, history teacher has anything like this happened before where it's this this pervasiveness of propaganda and lies and things that are manipulating people in mass certainly certainly it's just the media the form is different it's just the 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 this this the snake oil seems to work a little better this time Maybe not even better. I mean, maybe this is, and this is, I, I might just be guessing and speaking out of turn here, but because I'm not a journalist in that sense, you know, my, I'm a historian. That was my degree, and I just happened to make snowboard movies as a kid, and I started teaching media classes. But I think that the the unique thing about today is we get to choose our wool. We choose our echo chamber that we want to listen to. Hopefully, we don't. I, and I think that's the big thing with my kids that I want them to learn is there's a spectrum of media and whether it's directly deceitful or indirectly deceitful or, or whether it's uh, spinning a certain topic a certain way, 
if we choose one source and and that's so dangerous and so um and so i show them many sources no they i mean they get it all yeah yeah well that's the benefit of of history i mean i've i've heard the quote journalism is the first draft of history <laughs> i like that so in that sense you are a journalist yeah i guess i guess so i mean um i, I think the thing about history in history books history books used to lie and they probably still do there's probably something oh yeah, I, I mean there's time. there's probably stuff in my history book now and I, I i'm fairly trust i'm a kind of a trusting guy sometimes gullible i mean i'll be real like i'm not gonna lie <laughs> bad boy <laughs> but, <laughs> but but you know for the most part you know i i think with the history books give us they give us a start it's all a start you have to you have to expand that's the cool part about what we have and ironically instead of expanding what we're doing is we're going out and we're finding media that scratches the itch that i want Mm -hmm. oh you tell me that information i want that and i'm talking about i mean there's i'm i'm fair you know it's both sides of it and so that's to me the media thing just i'm all about getting as much exposure to as many media outlets and as many just let my kids use their reason and help them reason help them do that process of like how does this hold up to what i would consider quote truth did you see the uh the new theory on where atlantis might have might have been <laughs> no atlantis no. is the old city right that was like that was that's what atlantic was... city no, Atlantis. that's the, that's, that's the casino. There's a great Ducktales episode about this. I don't know. You have to check they, it out. Well, they, there's this um, there's this place in uh, West Africa, and it's got these like uh, concentric circles that get larger, and it's just uh, land. And just being there, you can't really notice that that's what's going on, but from satellite image, they can see it, right? And so these rings like match with like um, Plato's when he like wrote about him in some of his dialogues and he wrote about the city of Atlantis, which was passed down from like his grandpa in stories. There's all these like um, connections between like this area and what happened. And so they're thinking this could have been possibly like the great city of Atlantis and that it got wiped out by like earthquake tidal wave or something overnight because that's kind of the lore too. So I don't know. I'm just thinking about like you're like there's so many sources and that's what's so cool about history now is stuff's coming out. And this was just like a YouTube video that got shared. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't from like it's not National Geographic or anything, but it's kind of cool, man, because. Yeah, Yeah. it's Atlantis. (laughs) (laughs) They all kind of like that. (laughs) All right. So. I think we are going. What's that? Oh, no, I was going to ask you. Because we were talking about this earlier, right? And then we remember doing earthquake drills when uh-huh. we were kids, right? But did you ever do like the uh, the atomic bomb drill when you were a kid? What? No, but 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 I, I remember saw a, a Boy Meets World episode where they do. <laughs> Topanga? <laughs> yeah, Topanga. Yeah. He actually, Corey goes back in time and it's a whole long thing. But there was, yeah, yeah. No, we have not done that. When did you graduate high school? Oh, one. Okay, so yeah, yeah, you're like older than me because I graduated in 03, but I But you did an earthquake test, right? We did earthquakes. Yeah, We yeah. didn't do nuclear bombs, though. It would have been cool, but we I, didn't. I, 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 see, I don't know. I thought I did, but I didn't. But, I mean, what kind of, uh, what are you guys doing these days for drills? Are you going to do an earthquake? <laughs> for, for nuclear test drills? No, Hope you're not that there isn't one. <laughs> no, but uh, for drills, we do uh, fire drills. We do... We do uh, this thing called Alice. It's like the active shooter, old school lockdown style. And but... didn't they... They recently changed that, right? That's what they changed it to is Alice, yeah. What's Alice? No, no, I mean um they they changed the 
they changed what you do during the uh, the drill, right? Because yeah. I think initially it was you hide. And then now yeah. it's like you just run. So Alice is an acronym, and I'm going to be put on the spot. I won't remember. It, alert, lockdown, an I word, uh, counter, and evade. Um, and the whole idea is that nowadays it's like if there's a school shooter, like you get wow. on the intercom and you tell the people where it's at so that they can get out. The idea is like get out. Like you don't lock down. Lockdown can. There's no more lockdowns. There is. That's part of it. There is if you need to. That's that's like a you're in you're in trouble at that point. You got to just lock yourself in the, the so safest place. So it's context context dependent. Yeah, it is. Well, I guess it at is. this point they've had enough school shootings and case studies where they can actually develop a plan based on. It's it's. I mean, I think it's a, a fairly good way of looking about out at a situation that there's really no good way of looking at. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's a it's a fairly well thought out idea. Do. do you ever do you ever talk to your students about it? I mean, when when you have to after yeah. a school shooting. Yeah, absolutely. We, I mean, we never had to talk about that shit. We were at I was at Col- or I was not at Columbine. I was a freshman in high school when Columbine happened, and that that was a crazy deal because a lot of people said, you know, Columbine was this affluent uh Denver suburb much like Service High School was in 2001. And so we we do talk about it. I you know, I tell the kids um I mean, realistically, as like your everybody's fight or flight response uh, will be completely in full gear, and we, you know, depending on where you're at, just get, get out and run this way or that way um, is is the best thing to do. To get away from the building really is the best thing to do. Um, but there's, you know, it, it's a scary prospect that nobody wants to think about. I I'm a, and I think Wes is doing some things right. Uh, more locked doors, more making sure the building, you can't get into the building easily. There's only one entrance you can get into the building during the day. That's an important factor. But I, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe I'm stepping on a turn, but I've always thought like to get on an airplane, I got to take my shoes off and walk through a, a beeper thing. If I got a traffic ticket, I want to protest or whatever. Not that I ever have. <laughs> Timbo might have. <laughs> I'm gonna walk through a metal detector. Why is this place at the of, courthouse? Right? At the courthouse. Yeah. Why is this place of two thousand children not got just a simple metal detector or something? Well, some, I don't know. Some schools do. They do. Right? Yeah, but just not all of them. Not all so, of them. Not many of them. Okay, cool. So I mean, this has been a you know nothing in the news like you know. We read about shitty stuff in the news all the time. Like I like school shootings is one of the things that every time it pops up, dude, I'm like literally like sad for a while cuz it's just like all these kids have just been killed and they didn't need to, right? It's one And so then we we get we enter into this huge national debate. What can we do to stop this, right? We haven't done shit so far. You know, you're a teacher. Mhm. You seem to be saying that maybe metal detectors Oh, I don't want it. There's no panacea for it. Human beings are always going to have some pretty lame human beings in the gene pool. I mean, that's and that's an unfortunate thing. But to to not take steps, and we have take like I said, we took steps. We we used to have many open doors at West during the day. Um, now there's only one, and they have to walk by security and check in. It's it's there's at least that we're taking some steps. Um, but no, I I I would advocate for. Um, even tighter security. I think that's that's fine. I think it's appropriate. Again, I can't emphasize what? enough. You go What's to the courthouse it, to have oh. a to have a metal detector. Oh, yeah, to have yeah, yeah. have something. How do you a think? System. How do you think all of this affects the students, the psychology of the students growing up oh, yeah. in this type of atmosphere of of like fear? 
Yeah. I'd say it's atmosphere of fear for a week or when a drill is, happens. I don't think it's a consistent fear. I think that's probably why people aren't, uh, why, why there is so much worry. We like to forget what bites us as humans. I, yeah. I, I don't know, as we do. And so I don't think that there is an atmosphere. And there's, some teachers will tell you there is. But I would say that if, if we really feared something, like really, really feared it, there, there's, there are steps we can take. And we are taking steps. I think that we can keep pushing it as to what we can do to secure our children in, in schools. And would you, would you pack heat as a teacher? Oh man, what a what a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I that's no, oh, I didn't I didn't loaded, mean that I didn't mean it that way. No I did not mean it that way. Um, well, that's a, that's a thing, right? That's like a it is a uh, thing. You know, oh, we this could be stopped if the teachers had guns. Well, and I've heard from both that some teachers are like, yes, yeah, some teachers are like, no. You're a teacher. I think that it, to have a tool, if so, part of Alice's counter, and they are not. I don't, as far as I know, they're not an organization that wants teachers having guns or, or I mean, at least they haven't made a public statement. And I think that teachers to have the ability um, it, it, in a last, you know, ditch effort, I think something would be good. I don't know. I don't know if it's a gun because I'm not, I'm not a gun guy. You know, I, I I'm not really trained, you know, so I, I would be speaking out of turn to, but um, yeah, you, you, I think that there is an element of, if you couldn't have more SROs, I mean, that would be the, that would be the ultimately perfect thing. Budgetary yeah. that doesn't work. On, if you had school officers. Yeah. Yeah. School yeah. resource officers. And they're, you know, a lot of our SROs are awesome dudes. Like I've really enjoyed working with the SROs at West. And when I was at service, they were good there too. So they did some good dudes that, that are working with, with our youth uh, and the Anchorage police force. And I mean, to me, if it, if it was really, really something that we feared, like really feared, we'd have more SROs there. And, and SROs of the caliber that we have up there now. Well, I think, I think it has a lot to do with ignorance is bliss as well. That if you if you see this thing is happening on the news and it's happening in Colorado or it's happening, you know, uh, in a different state, that's not wherever you're from, then that's their problem. You know, it can be sad. You can be sad about their problem, but it's not my problem yet that might be the the default reaction i hope that's not the actual reaction of people i think i think you're right i wish you weren't i wish people were were more like hey let's there's ways these are these are i, I mean it's a it's a very easy target it's two thousand people first of all think about that just mm -hmm. think about the footprint of a building and having two thousand human beings on a footprint that small there's a lot of stuff that's good that can happen in that situation. Um, think about how much security, armed security, were at the Diamond Center back in the day. Yeah, they were they were always there. They were walking. And that's a that's a that's a larger footprint area. I'm, but I'm, I guess what I'm trying to get out here is that yes, we probably just think, oh, it can never happen to us. But that's that's the mindset that we we can't. Have. We have to be vigilant and we have to do what we can to protect our kids. And I don't really know. Other, you know, personally, I don't have all the answers, but I think, like I said, there's there's consistent objective things that we do when we go to an airport or when we go to a courthouse. Why aren't those similar to walk into a school with 2,000 children? Do you think the the powers that be use use education and use schools 
as as leverage. Like when you look at whenever there's budget cuts, the first thing or one of the first things that get cut is education. Yeah. And in my mind, my so my dad actually said something really enlightening the other day um, to me about <laughs> this, which he's like, of course they're going to cut that because everybody cares about it. And so you're going to have everybody rabble rousing about don't cut education, don't cut education. Whereas if, if it was something else that people were like, oh, I don't give a shit about that. And then all of a sudden this thing over here doesn't have funding because no one gave a shit about it. Whereas with education, of course it's going to regain that funding. Of course, so it's, the idea it's gonna... is they do that to like get people paying attention and get as many people into the public process as possible to figure out what we're going to do with our spending. You know, I don't know what the answer to it is. I think that there also might be an element of um, in the same way that the media, excuse me, attaches to um, a story that if it bleeds, it leads. This is well, going to get the most attention. Well, you know, you got to think about, too, like education is probably one of the biggest like uh, – drivers of the budget right it's like probably one of the yeah. biggest line items correct in a state budget like that and health care costs so it's like if, if you have like a serious problem you probably have to go to some of your biggest like uh spending habits i don't I, know you it's a multi so it's a multi-level issue between you not you don't just have just you have federal money yeah. you have state money you have muni money so you have different monies and they all in different ways affect the schooling that we have, we have like a student base allocation, which is in Juno. You hear about that a lot, especially when you, what's that student, the student base allocation, I think is what it's called. I should know that better, but it's the, it's what, it's how they base how much per student they're going to spend in of state monies. Um, and that's going to be a bit, you hear about that, especially in talk about like vouchers and can we give kids money to go to private so, schools? Is that, is that how like, Education money at state level is decided is by per student. Yeah, so they they do it like a they go through a formula and they yeah so they they give like a base amount that each student is going to sound horrible is worth for their education, you know, and that's but that's how they do it. And so, so human capital. I'd like to not think that, but well, I you know it's human it's it's uh, how much do we want to spend on students um, across the state. Um, I want to I want to word so, this the right way. I, I how much do we want to spend so that ideally these people uh, live in 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 I mean win win for the state of Alaska. They live in the state of Alaska and they help develop the economy. They help develop our our uh, system that we have here. They come back and they teach and they do these things that that's ideal for the state of Alaska. Um, so the more they spend, in theory the more educated you, you in theory could be, but it's such a complex issue. It doesn't, it doesn't really work out like that. There's so many things like relationships with, how do you judge what type of teachers have good relationships with kids, which is really, to me, the number one way that you see positive change is a, is a school climate with teachers that care about kids. That's where, how you drive change. And, and that's, maybe you can do that with money. I don't know. So maybe the formula shouldn't be how much do we spend per student. Maybe it should be how much do we spend per teacher. Because the higher quality teachers mean the higher quality outcomes in education, right? That's tricky. It's tricky what's a higher quality teacher. And if you talk to different people in different ways, you talk to my union or whoever, we have different – We have different within our own – You know, yeah, we have, we have different ways of looking at that. In, we would, and so I think it's really – that's a tricky one. Um, 
I, you know, I, those, that is where, you know, I, I'd be the first one to tell you, I'm not the, I'm not the guy necessarily in the books, looking at the state's books, you know, um, I, I am, and maybe this is something that teachers that work, you know, pretty hard. And I'd like to consider myself that, um, we, we don't get tied up a lot of times into the politics of teaching because we're so damn busy teaching like well that's what your union rep is there for right yeah yeah and they, and they you know they do they do their thing um it's a cult we need we need marketers <laughs> you know that's what i feel like yeah, teachers yeah. need they need a marketing well agency. i think that's that's probably a little bit of what social media is right now yeah that, that if you if you start a which i think that there is a west high facebook page there is and if if there was i think there is enough resources actually allocated that in a meaningful way that this is somebody's job to promote the school and its image i think that 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 could probably affect some change the, and there's there's degrees of that we have we have staff members that run a website and they do a really good job with it actually it's actually a pretty solid school website and then we have orange juice you know i kind of go in full circle like kids are highlighting they're making news packages with their iPhones and they're finding out what really the West Side community, they're showing the West Side community what the high school has to offer, not just school, but like the community. Cause these people are gonna be our co-employee, they're gonna be working with us, our coworkers and our, our employees in the next year or two. I mean, so they're, they're, they're coming, <laughs> here they are. <laughs> you always hear about people bitching, oh, the, you know, the cops make so much money or the firefighters or the teachers and their pensions and their unions. But I thought at, at one point, like these were the kind of professions that like helped us live the American way of life that we wanted to. Right. And it's, when did, when did we stop thinking that teachers were like a valuable position? I mean, in Finland, they, you have to have a master's degree mm-hmm. and you like make like probably like 80 G's out the boat or, you know, and it's like, why can't, what if we required our teachers to have master's degrees and paid them a little bit more? Would there be a better outcome? I don't know. I just I view like teaching as a very very important job. Yeah, so do I. And it should be respected. It's it's. I think the most important part about good teaching is if you're doing good teaching, I'm not gonna. Say, you, you have to take care of your family. I'm a, you know I think family first, even above my job. Obviously, family is is above that. So take care of your family. That's I want to lead off the statement with this. But if you're really if you're really teaching. Like you're probably not thinking about your paycheck. You're thinking a hundred percent like what type of relationships am I making? I, and I know I've kind of said that a bunch, but I, I can't imagine a world in which I could not do my job if it was just a job. It, I mean, I'm called to what I do. Like I, you know, the man upstairs or whatever you want to call it. Like I, I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, you have purpose. Yeah. You know, and that, in that, I've talked to a lot of people with way more money than I do. That to me, I, I feel like a rich dude, you know, mm-hmm. to have purpose. Yeah. Well, I kind of hit on two different things there. I said, can we pay them more? But I also said, can we require them to have more education? You know, and so I guess you're touching on the payment thing. You think when it comes down to it, people do this because they want to, and it doesn't matter. So as long as they have enough to get by and take care of the basic expenses they're probably going to be okay you're not going to incentivize too much better but what if we required a higher standard for you to become a teacher 
I think I think first of all, I think the money thing. I mean, it is important. Don't get me wrong. Like teachers, we they do work hard, and, and a lot of my colleagues would probably they probably do see it a little differently than I do. I I see it. Like I said, I'm in the relationship business, and so there's a dichotomy there. There's there's I want to get paid with commensurate amount. For example, football. Okay, I I make uh, I think about four thousand dollars on my football check. I I one year we we calculated it out, and it's it's we're looking like in like five to six cents per hour type thing for the time I put in from January on. It doesn't, I, but nobody does it for that. That's not why we're there. Um, so it's a, it's an interesting dichotomy that good teachers, I think really like have to like spin their mind around. Like we want to get paid because we want to have the highest level of education and bring in colleagues who have the highest level of qualifications as well. As you work up in your education, you do get paid more. That's how the, the pay system works. So as you get a master's degree and as you take continuing education, I think like that's that's a super important element is continuing education um, and a needed one. I think the new frontier in continuing education is how do we talk to uh, kids now? Because going full circle with the digital media and with the world they live in, they're talking a different language. They're living a different lifestyle than we are. And we have to get, that's where we need the development. Yeah. So how do we inter- Internet and computers have changed society. Completely. In, completely, immensely, whatever, right? And it's crazy because we literally grew up when that change took place. I've heard that, I've heard that we are still in the industrial age. And right now we are on the cusp of being in the automaton age. Po- we're post-industrial. Okay, so post-industrial, but sorry, I just I just dorked out there for a second. I mean, I know what you're saying, but we're we're about to embark on a brand new, like age. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna I think we're gonna be okay. I think that there are some absolutes. There's always gonna be some pretty rotten situations and pretty rotten people out there. Like that's not I mean that's not ignore that, but I think that education. Um, and the opportunities that right now that I see, at least in my, look, I'm one very small corner of this whole thing, but I see kids showing up to a place where they're, uh, respected, where they are encouraged to be there, where they're safe, they're warm, sometimes fed, um, sometimes cared for in in those social needs of like, Hey, I just need somebody to listen to me. I'm having this bad of a time. I get to show up to that every day. That's pretty special. It's not punching a time card. It's actually seeing kids grow. And I'm, I'm hoping that something from that building passes on um, to society. So to wrap this up, this has been awesome, Timbo. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Can you give us a Coach Davis motivational speech? Oh, my God. Coach Davis. Mo- you know, it's funny. Okay. So I don't really give a whole lot of motivational speeches. But what I'll say is this. Um, I talk to our kids all the time, and, and I, I would tell them that so much of this world is is you can't let things just happen to you. When things happen to you, you have to respond to them, kind of like what we talked about earlier. And that is such a lesson for everybody in in this world is that – you're going to go, you're going to have a really bad day, a day that I cannot fathom. I'll have a really bad day, a day that I can't fathom. Um, and how we choose to respond to that is going to affect our outcome. So if there's any motivation, visualize that outcome that you want, the most perfect outcome you can possibly imagine of your really, really, really horrible day. 
and then plug in your response to the event that just happened to you. And, and if you do that one little bit at a time, you know what? I think the, the world will be one little bit better. Go, go fight, win. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. You're the man. Yeah. Thanks guys. That was fun. You can support local grassroots journalism at patreon.com slash crude magazine. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a platform that makes it easy for you to support content that matters to our community for as little as $1 a month. Crude Conversations is written, hosted, and produced by Cody Liska and Dustin H. James for Crude Magazine. Intro music was produced by Alcoda Beats.